Hey guys, this is Greg Hostetler, and I want to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thank you uh, for hanging out with me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate you uh, spending your time here, so thank you. Um, I am coming to you from the underground, and so geographically, um, I'm located in the southern Midwestern portion of the United States, and uh, yeah, so we're just kind of starting to reopen our community here, reopen our economy. I know a lot of people have a lot of mixed feelings about that. Some people think, you know, it should have happened a long time ago, and others think, man, it's way too soon. Um, but we're reopening the economy here. I think this weekend the um, bars and restaurants can reopen. And then last weekend there were retail shops and, and things of that nature that were able to reopen. And so uh, my wife and I were able to uh, last weekend visit one of our, one of our favorite stores. It's a small uh, metaphysical shop. It's just a really cool, wonderful place. Um, we become friends with the owner there. And so we were able to visit them, which we haven't done in quite some time you know, spend our money there, support what they're doing. And so that felt really good to do that. And, you know, throughout the process or throughout the period of this coronavirus pandemic, this shelter in place that we've been in here, um, I think we've made a real effort to try and do our best to shop locally. You know, we've done a lot of the curbside things at, um, at various restaurants and, um, here we have a lot of rolling hills and valleys and bluffs and nestled within that are all these wineries, uh, where they make their own wine and that whole thing. And of course, you know, they haven't been able to be open either. And so they've had their own curbside thing and we've done that. And so, um, we've tried to make a real effort to shop and, and you know, to buy local, which is a pretty big thing with me. And, um, you know, I'd like to encourage you, wherever it is that you are, to really make a concerted effort um, to buy local. You know, these people are uh, people of your, you know, within your community. They're they're your neighbors. They're an important part of um, of your community. And so, I really want to encourage you. I think it's going to be really important, even over the next year, because I think that they've been hit the hardest. And I'm talking about economically. I think they've been hit the hardest by this shutdown. And so, yeah, man, I'd really like to encourage you to, whenever you can, do your best to buy local. Um, I think that's good for everybody, especially in um, in your community. Okay, man, so that rant is over. You know, again, I know a lot of people have a lot of mixed feelings. Um, and all I can encourage you to do is this, you know, I, it, it seems to me that nobody really has a good handle on the, um, the potency the, or the danger of this virus. You know, we could be overestimating it or we could be seriously underestimating it. It seems like that those, it seems like the dynamics of it change quite a bit, but I know it's never really good to live in fear. So I want to encourage you, don't live in fear. At the same time, try to be, you know, don't be reckless. Try and be as cautious as you can. So, you know, get out there and enjoy your community and, and do it as cautiously as you can. Um, try to follow whatever guidelines are being given to us at the time. And I know that they've changed quite a lot, but um, 
do your best to do your best. You know what I'm saying? And uh, stay safe. And, uh, you know, enjoy your life, man. And be careful and, and stay safe and enjoy your life and be careful, that type of thing. Um, yeah. So anyway, man, that is it. So what I wanted to talk to you about today um, here on the podcast is and it's something that we've talked about before. But I really kind of wanted to revisit the subject because I've seen um, it, it seems to keep presenting itself. Uh, and what I'd like to talk to you about is the idea of the interdimensional path, the deep part of you, uh, the esoteric view of the inner journey and the inner discovery of God, you know, whereby we are the temple of God and that, you know, God lives within us. So we've talked about this before, but I thought it was a subject that we really needed to explore once more. And there's a reason for this. And, um, and here it is. So as I study a variety of spiritual paths and, and not because I'm looking to change the foundation of my faith, but, um, because I think there's a lot to be gleaned from other, um, paths, so as I study these different various spiritual paths, there seems to be something present with the initiator of that path. You know, the person that it was birthed from, whether that's Jesus, you know, or, or, or someone like Buddha, um, the major prophets of that path, the true followers of that path, there seems to be this commonality with them. And the commonality is that they all follow this deep resonance within them. Um, this conviction that they believe to be God, that they believe to be the leading of God. And that seems to be true of all the paths um, that they follow. You know, I hate to call it intuition, but but a deep inner knowing, a divine deep inner knowing or what they perceive to be that, right? For instance, take um, take this guy, Siddhartha Gautama. Now, Siddhartha is this wealthy prince um, who after seeing the suffering of people, he leaves the royal life in search of an end uh, to suffering. And he studies with a lot of religious men, a lot of religious traditions. And even though those traditions were rich in their own tradition, in their own ideologies, in acceptant, uh, acceptance and, and proven paths, um, they really didn't do much for Siddhartha who finally sat beneath essentially a fig tree, it's called a Bodhi tree, really, to really meditate, to really search and to seek out what he thought the answer was. According to some traditions, he did that for five years. Uh, to some, they say it was only a night. Others say three days. Some say 45 days. It's really hard with these ancient traditions, um, because, you know, it's, it, it, it's just really hard to know exactly what it was that happened. But nonetheless, he, wanted, he went on his own search personally. And um, when his mind was purified by this concentration, it said that he acquired knowledge. And when he realized this knowledge, he awakened as the Buddha. So this knowledge is something I want to talk about 
And there's a word for it, and it's called gnosis. Now, for most of you listening to me, your tradition is probably predominantly Christian, which is a beautiful tradition. In fact, I think prior to its kidnapping by governments and systematic theology and hard doctrines, I really think that Christianity may well be the most ecstatic, interpersonal, um, dynamically spiritual belief system on the entire planet. If you if you really look at the Bible, the dynamics present within Christianity um, are almost unmatched by any other um, spiritual path. The explosion of God within. Um, the uh, aliveness of God within the connection that we have with God, the personal communication that's talked about in the scripture. Um, oh, there's just a whole, there's just a, um, a treasure trove of metaphysical activity within the New Testament um, text. So, um, I think that's a huge statement, but if there's a, there's a lot of angles that we could go with that but the single one i want to take is becoming open to gnosis that's the one i really want to focus on because i think it's really important have you ever heard a new thing someone said something you read something that you've never heard or read before but it resonated so deeply within you that you felt as if you had known it all along as if God granted you some foreordained knowledge, and um, it's as if the knowing came from something ethereal. Not a book, not a teacher, but simply an inner knowing. Um, Perhaps you've had a dream that was very prophetic, and you um, felt like this was more than a dream. You know, it was a message. Maybe while you were doing a mundane task like driving, um, washing dishes, whatever the case may be, you you conceived a revelation about something very personal or spiritual, and it just kind of came to you. Now, some people call this an aha moment. Um, some people call this intuition. But there's a, this interesting kind of knowing and it's called gnosis. Gnosis would be what we see unfolding in the life of Siddhartha before he becomes the Buddha. Gnosis um, is a divine knowledge. It's kind of defined as an esoteric knowledge of spiritual truth, a revealed knowledge from spirit. For a lot of us, most of us in the Christian tradition, um, we've been taught that gnosis Um, though that particular word probably wasn't used, but that this type of knowing and leading, you know, was kind of a bad thing. More times than not, they killed the spirit of God for the letter or or the law of the letter, um, calling it a doctrinal statement or sound doctrine or something of that nature. Few of us have ever been taught and I think encouraged to really seek God the living God, in such a way that we are led personally by the Spirit. Now, interestingly, uh, the Christianity of the New Testament Bible is full of a spiritual path that is a dynamic um, interrelation 
between God and man. And gnosis is intensely prevalent. And it starts really from the very beginning of the Gospels. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is visited by an angel. Um, Mary has a conversation with an angel. Mary conceives a child by the Holy Spirit. These are all, I think that you would agree, pretty intense spiritual activities that largely differ from a lot of the Christian tradition that we find today. But yet, we see them really prevalent in the New Testament right from the very beginning. In fact, I think the the book of Luke chapter 1, let me read a little bit of that for you. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he, talking about Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God uh, will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Now, pause just for a moment and understand the context of the story that the New Testament is asking you to believe. Mary, who really is a woman not of much account, not certainly not a prophet or or probably a very educated young woman uh, by no fault of her own, is visited by an angel. God literally sends the angel to have a conversation with Mary, and they have this conversation. The angel communicates, and she communicates back. Um, I think it's really important to note that because I'm going to guess that so many of you— um, You don't really entertain angels. You know, the Bible says that we should be cautious um, to whomever it is that we talk to because we could be entertaining angels unaware. And what's interesting to me is that the scripture is telling us that angels are really present, prevalent, interactive, in sometimes everyday mundane circumstances. Um, We're rubbing shoulders With angels, which I think is so interesting because most of us have probably really shut ourselves off to that biblical reality. Now, another interesting passage is um, someone not too far removed from Mary, and that's Joseph, who um, will be Mary's husband. And um, um, in this case, it's her soon-to-be husband, so they're not married yet. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son 
and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Now, what I love about this is that I think so often, for so many of us, our, and I'm talking, you know, largely to those of you that are still heavily involved in the Christian experience. Um, and once again, my path is Christianity. But I think that for so many of us involved in that experience, for the most part, our relationship with God is educational. It's doctrinal. Um, it's theology. Instead of being a true experience, what we find here in the very beginning of the Gospels, I think, is a precedence for how God wants to deal with humanity. Um, first of all, Mary is visited by an angel, spoken to by an angel. She speaks back. There's a real interaction. There's a dialogue that takes place. The next thing we see is the use of. Of prophetic dreams. So we see God, you know, the angel of the Lord speaking to Joseph in a dream. And so this is like dream work, right? Uh, this happens again with Joseph later on in the passage. He's warned in a dream to get up and to leave the area that he's in because he's in danger. So another instance of this would be when Jesus was born, right? The the shepherds in the field and their personal experience, the the dialogue between them and um, angels. And so, so the purpose here isn't necessarily to make this a podcast about angels, but instead it is to take notice of the mysticism, the metaphysics, the gnosis that is involved, um, really a made a major part of the um, the Christian faith. Now, one of the most powerful places we see this is located in the book of Matthew, and it happens with uh, Peter, and it's in Matthew sixteen. And let me read it to you, Matthew sixteen, uh, starting at verse thirteen. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about uh, he? I'm sorry, what about you? He asked, uh, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So what you have here um, is Peter, who is a, a relatively unlearned individual. He's a disciple of Christ. He's a follower of Jesus. Uh, but he's he's pretty much an unlearned individual. And when the Bible says um, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, what Jesus is saying there is this isn't something that your that your mind put together. This isn't something that you you put together the prophecies, you put together you know the verses, and you came up, you deduced this as a solution to who it is that I am. But what Jesus is saying is this wasn't revealed to you by um, an educational resource. This wasn't revealed to you by your own mental prowess. 
this was gnosis. This was divine revelation. This um, this knowing came from God. In fact, he says that, right? Um, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. This wasn't revealed to you by your mental prowess, but by my Father in heaven. And this is gnosis in the Bible, practiced by the disciples, affirmed and validated by Jesus. And I think that it's so critical for so many of us because our relationship with God is fundamental. Our relationship with God has been um, really dehydrated of, of the life force, which is our true connection with God the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Gnosis um, defined would be something like this, a knowledge from experience, especially experience of divinity or that which is beyond the five senses. The word gnosis does not refer to knowledge received by external indoctrination. What a great phrase. Gnosis is conscious metaphysical knowing not intellectual, conceptual, external indoctrination, knowledge, belief, or theory. Instead, it is an intuitive comprehension of truths, an esoteric form of knowledge. So it's a deep inner knowing. It is a a revelation presented by the divine. It's following that deep voice within. It's connecting with God, who is alive on the inside of you. Um, real quick side note here to make reference. Gnosis and Gnosticism, which sound very similar, they're not similar. Um, so Gnosis, um, as explained by Carl Jung, said um, it, it's a special kind of knowledge that should not be confused with Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism um, was, is um, a wide variety of Jewish and early Christian sects that had an interest in Gnosis, an interest in divine knowledge, um, but they had a whole bunch of other junk derived within them to where they eventually became kind of this heretical form. Now, um, and we are taking a bit of a rabbit trail here, but that's not to say all the Gnostic writings are junk. There's a few of them that are pretty cool, but um, by and large, they sort of kind of went off the track and they were um, kind of denounced by a lot of really decent people back in that time. One of those was a guy by the name of Clement. And what I like in particular about Clement is um, he's a church father. He's a pretty uh, metaphysical kind of guy. Um, yeah, Clement's a cool dude, but, but Clement has a real problem with Gnosticism, but he doesn't want to destroy Gnosis as a firm foundation within the Christian faith. He doesn't want to destroy the spirituality, right? He doesn't want to kill the spirit uh, of his, of his uh, spiritual path. Right. And so um, Clement who opposed the Gnostics and didn't like them at all, really wrote negatively of them. Um, But again, he didn't want to create this atmosphere where Gnosis was discouraged 
And so he said something, I'm going to butcher this quote, but Clement said something to the effect that the true Gnostic as a summit of Christian virtue um, followed Gnosis, which was the knowledge of God, which in and of itself is worthy and supreme. And so what Clement was trying to do was he was trying to say, look, a, a real Gnostic is not one of these guys over here. A real Gnostic is someone who receives Gnosis, divine revelation from God, which is supreme and worthy. And so he's trying to create this space within the framework of the time that he existed where he um, discouraged the idea of the Gnostics but not Gnosis in, in and of itself, which I think that today, for the most part, Gnosis has been destroyed within the, the westernized style of Christianity, right? Except for maybe in the Pentecostal faiths to some degree, although they have a lot of they have a lot of legislation. They have a lot of rules. They have a lot of theology. And uh, there's not a lot of allowance for thinking uh, for yourself. But yet, at the same time, within the Pentecostal tradition, they do encourage interaction, true interaction with God. So um, so I think that's cool. doesn't matter that I think that, but I think that's cool. Um, now, Richard Smoley um, who's been on the podcast before, he wrote a really great book that I, I just cannot recommend it enough. And it was called Inner Christianity. And Smoley says within Inner Christianity, I've got the quote here because I love it. I, I keep it um, on my um, altar. So it says, esotericism teaches that this world within us is as rich and diverse as the outer world and consists of many different levels. So from an esoteric point of view, esoteric Christianity seeks to have a serious and, and interactive relationship with God where we identify with the deep spiritual resonance within us. Now, to me, the way that this differs from so much of what many of us experience is we're constantly trying to justify our feelings with what we perceive to be truth, which is typically derived. And I don't recall how the uh, uh, the earlier definition said, but I believe it's typically derived by external indoctrination. So many of our beliefs are superimposed upon us by churches, pastors, friends, parents, you know, a book, a denomination, whatever the case may be, instead of us exploring the temple of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God, that the scriptures, right, that Jesus, that the disciples all said was alive and living within us. Um, looking for God experiences of the divine outside of your being, outside of your inner self from an esoteric Christian perspective is not where you're going to find or discover or experience God. He is within. You know, if you think about the words of Jesus, I believe in Luke 10, 27 or 28, somewhere around in there, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbors, you love yourself. Now, what's interesting about that is 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's an inner work. Love the Lord with all your soul. That's an inner work. Love the Lord with all your strength. Love the Lord with all your mind. Those are all inner works that occur deep within us. The only external here is love your neighbor. So the inner exploration of who it is that you are and the relationship with you ha- that you have with God is within. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Uh, that's the Apostle Paul. Um, several times throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Jesus spent the night praying to God. Um, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Uh, as Jesus dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. So now I realize that maybe we can't call this meditation, but it's, it's pretty damn close, right? Um, it's finding a place of solitude, um, the Bible says that David went off and encouraged himself in the Lord. Um, I, I think that is a, a form of meditation where individuals went to a, to a solitary place, to, to a place of silence, to a place withdrawn, to a place of privacy, and they essentially meditated. We might call it prayer. We could call it meditation. Whatever it is that you want to call it, they spent time reconnecting with the divine. They spent time hearing from God. They spent time hearing the voice of God and speaking to God. It was a a dynamic, ecstatic moment of solitude between them and and the divine. Um, And the Bible deals with this, I think, in a number of ways. Uh, Romans talks about the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God. So the mind of the flesh is constantly warring with the ideas of God, warring with the identifying with the flesh, identifying with the animation, identifying with this identity that is, insert your name, whatever it may be. Um. But meanwhile, the spirit of truth um, is in you, John chapter 14. Um, And the Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He says that um, the physical body, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I don't remember the verse, but the physical body is wearing away. The physical body is deteriorating. The physical body is dying which is true for every single one of us. You know, one of the truths that the Buddha taught, every one of us, doesn't matter how wealthy we are, doesn't matter how poor we are, doesn't matter the stature, the status that we achieve in life, every single human being will die. And the Apostle Paul is saying that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, He says, outwardly, we're deteriorating, right? Every day, the body is deteriorating. Every day, it's wearing away. But the inner person is being renewed day by day. So once again, the focus seems to be, the focus of the the New Testament 
is the dynamic relationship that's happening with the inner man, the inner being, the true essence that we truly are. Um, I think far too many times, and I know it's, it may feel a little scattered and I apologize for that, but far too many times we spend so much time identifying with the animation, identifying with form, identifying with the persona, the, the personification, the shell that is Craig or, or Jay or, or Bob or whatever your name is, right? So many times we identify and we think, you know, this is me, this man in the mirror, this is me, this person that's walking around, this is me. But the Bible's pretty clear about it. And so many of the other spiritual paths are pretty clear that serious identification, believing that the animation is me, leads to suffering, leads to pain, leads to sorrow. And even the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians is really teaching that outwardly we're deteriorating, we're decaying, we're falling apart. And I can tell you, as a man in my 50s, um, my energy level's different, you know, my, um, the, the way that my body responds to a variety of things is different than it was, say, in my 20s. But the vibrancy within, the spirit within me is very much alive. And I would say even more so now because I have a much deeper identification with it than I did maybe, say, 10, 15 or 20 years ago. Um, Yeah, so I I think that that's something that's critically important when the Bible says don't conform to the pattern of this world. When the Bible says what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And I think that a lot of us think of that as a heaven and hell situation. I don't want to take away from that. I don't think that it is because I don't think anybody goes to hell. I don't think that it is. But I think instead the true teaching here is so many of us exchange the deep well of divinity within us, the place that is deeply connected to God, the place that deeply resonates with the divine, the place where peace dwells and happiness and joy. Most of us trade that for the things of this world. You know, Jesus talked about our treasures on earth that that deteriorate and are destroyed. I think that so many of us, we spend so much of our time diving in and dealing with animation and, and identifying with animation that we never truly get to a place where we divide, I'm sorry, where we uh, identify with the, the true essence of who we are, that deep inner man, And this is where Gnosis occurs. It's within the temple of God. It's it's within the the, the deep, deep connection of your spirit and God's spirit where divine revelation is imparted, where we can follow this intuition. We can follow this leading of God. We can truly have a relationship and spiritual practice that, um, that feels true, that feels authentic to us, that doesn't feel like an externally, imp, uh, you know, um, superimposed theology or idea that someone else shoved upon us. 
the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, um, surely you know that you're God's temple and the Spirit lives within you. He said in Galatians 2, it's no longer I who lives, right? This external animation that lives, but it is Christ in me. Um, and so the esoteric view which was very prevalent in Christianity, was literally that, that the kingdom of God is being built within us. The places God is building bridges, the battle uh, where God is destroying enemies and strongholds and casting off shackles, all this lies within us. Um, and I think that that's critically important, you know, where the Bible talks about, um, man, I wish I could remember the scripture that, um, you know, that we don't really need a teacher, um, but that the Holy Spirit will teach us everything that we need to know. I mean, that's something that scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit, literally the Holy Spirit will teach us everything that we need to know. I mean, that's a passage uh, from Scripture. Um, I think that's John 14. Um, I think the Bible's. I think it's John 14 where it says um, the Father will send um, the Holy Spirit and he will teach all things and he will bring things all or he'll bring all things into your remembrance. And there's another uh, passage that says you don't need a teacher, right? The Holy Spirit will teach you. And so I think that this loss of gnosis within our existence is is a serious detriment to us. I think that it keeps us bound. I think that it keeps us imprisoned. And I think that it keeps our spiritual path impersonal. And I don't think that that was the the design. I don't think that that was the intention. I think that for so many of us, you would probably agree that a great part of your spiritual path is hmm, liturgical, maybe external. It, it, it doesn't resonate deeply with you. Yeah, I I think that that's a reality for a lot of us. And this call to gnosis, this call to having a um, divine interaction with God is a powerful one. This call to have the leading of the Holy Spirit, where the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and teach you everything that you need to know. That's That's a calling to every one of us that have placed our faith Uh, or that our spiritual path is Christ. Once again, I believe that this path, and I'm talking about Christianity in its original form, not what it's turned uh, into. Certainly, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't go to church. I'm not an evangelical. Uh, I don't identify with that group at all. Um, And for the most part, I find them to be incredibly frustrating, um, full of dead man's bones, like the Bible says. Um, And I've left most of that behind for something more dynamic, something that seems to resonate more deeply with Scripture. Um, Yeah, so so what I'd really encourage you to do this week is to really begin a practice of uh, solitude. 
You can call it meditation. If you don't like that word, that's fine. Call it prayer. Uh, call it alone time. Call it, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going up to the hillside. I'm going to Gethsemane, whatever it is that you want to call it. You, you figure out whatever you feel comfortable with. But spend 15 minutes every day, man. Every single day. And um, learn from God. Hear the voice of God. Just silence with God. So anyway, guys, um, I guess that's it for this week, man. Thank you so much for hanging out. You know, maybe uh, later this week I'll try and upload a meditation. You know, something to something a tool really for you to use to help you uh, expand just a bit. I'll try and see if I can't um, do something like that uh, this week. So. Um, stay connected to the podcast feed and uh, be looking for that. All right, guys. Blessings. Done. Done.